Welcome back to fundmanagers.com Meet the Manager series. I'm joined today by Paul Harding Davis, who's the Chief Executive Officer for Premium China Funds Management. Paul, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Paul, um, a week or so ago, you penned an article uh, for us that was talking about um, the premise that is or are um, investments in emerging markets from a portfolio allocation um, point of view past their use by date. I'd like to spend a bit of time talking about that today, if possible. Um, do you want to give us sort of a basic overview of, of what, what we're talking about in that situation? Sure. This all started when I um, asked myself the question uh, with about emerging market funds, because a lot of portfolios have an allocation to emerging market funds. And we look after um, Asian and China funds, both equity and debt, which is, if you like, the next step down inside emerging market funds. And so I wondered about the difference between the two and just how much of emerging market funds was the Asia X Japan um, portion. And that led to um, uh, experiment, you know, experimenting with some numbers and uh, came out with some interesting uh, conclusions, which I've broken into a couple of parts. Um, one, just setting the scene for emerging markets. And two, then, how has that resulted in performance and uh, what difference has it made? So give us a bit of a feel for particularly that setting of the scene regarding emerging markets. What are, what are they looking like now? There's a definition of emerging markets uh, that uh, I've, uh, or a framework that I'm looking at, which uh, has five criteria, um, lower than average per capita income for the people. And the World Bank defines that as 3,995 US dollars or less per annum. Um, brisk economic growth, um, high volatility, currency swings, and a strong potential for growth, which is, of course, the, why there's attraction to investing in emerging markets um, it, it, at any time. Now, we would contend one thing, and, uh, and in that article, there's a table that references the biggest countries there. And I think it's fair to argue that according to those frameworks, they've pretty much moved beyond emerging to being the you know, early stage developed markets, China in particular. Um, the second thing is when you break down the indexes, uh, particularly the most common one, the, the MSCI um, index for emerging markets, and then compare it to Asia x Japan, what you find is um, a surprising um, uh, conclusion that uh, emerging markets are almost entirely Asia x Japan countries. So uh, then you say, well, which countries are different? And let's talk about those. And you find that that may not be the ideal set of countries that you want to be invested in, or is an emerging market fund even the best way to go about it? So it generated some questions which, uh, which were interesting to unpack uh, and go through in the article. So I guess the idea for most people when it comes to emerging markets is um, that ideal that they're looking for those countries that have got that stellar growth. And I think there's always been this view, particularly um, countries that are emerging, um, you know, uh, the likes of Brazil and and um, and uh, quite a few others, the BRICS spring to mind, have always been a place to, to go. I think, is it right in saying that a lot of people might particularly look at um, something like China uh, and not really realise that it's still part of the emerging market um, space? 
Well, it wouldn't surprise me if that were the case, um, because I think uh, people are seeing China now as, if you like, uh, the country that's jockeying for superpower status with the United States. And our view on that is that those geopolitical superpower um, contests have been going on for as long as I've been alive and are going to continue for probably the rest of this century. And that's not what we're about. We're about looking into the good companies in those countries to try and make money for our investors and to improve their outcomes. But if we just look at emerging markets, 75% of the Morgan Stanley Capital International, uh, Morgan Stanley Capital Index, emerging markets in US dollars, is four countries, China, Taiwan, Korea, and India. Those four countries are make up almost everything that matters in the, in the returns in the emerging market funds. The next four um, are Brazil, which you mentioned earlier, South Africa, Russia, and Saudi Arabia. Now, those four, in our view, have four things in common. They're commodity countries, particularly um, commodity or spe commodity speculation, and they all have questionable governance and and or human rights uh, um, issues in, in their own right. That leaves 11% remaining from the emerging market uh, index, and that's 19 different countries. But basically, they're all rounding errors. So you're really faced with Asia x Japan, four countries that I think most people would only want to be in every now and then as a speculator, and some very small countries. It already is the case that in an investment in an emerging market fund is effective, is largely an investment in Asia x Japan. Um, that said, I mean, if you look at um, the Australian equity market as an example over the last, um, uh, certainly over the last two years, um, smaller company stocks mm -hmm. uh, that make up less of the index have done particularly well. Yes. Um, are you in a situation with, you know, um, not investing in things like um, South Africa, um, Saudi Arabia or Brazil that you're missing out on an opportunity in particularly growth in resources and those sorts of things, which those countries countries are, are uh, you know, have a lot of uh, exposure to? Yeah. Great question. Two parts to the answer to that. Um, one is that we think there are those opportunities there. Well, we think you're better off accessing them via specialist manager. Find a global resources manager or a commodity specialist that really knows that um, those uh, countries, but more importantly, the, the resources and commodity companies that are the main drivers there. Similarly, we think that having a specialist in Asia and, and particularly greater China um, is important as well, because the markets there are still inefficient, which means there's great opportunity to do better than just an index return. And the second thing is that uh, in the article, it's easier to um, look at the performance chart over the, um, over a long, well, since the inception, for example, of our fund. So you've got a um, comparison. Um, over that period from uh, November 2009 to, um, uh, to about April uh, this year, the, the least, oh, sorry, the worst performing um, country in that index was Brazil. Um, the second worst country was um, 
was in fact, it's, it's a close finish between Russia and South Africa who correlate very closely, not surprisingly, given that they're such strong resource countries. And if you look at the, the MSCI Emerging Market Index and leave out great, the Asian countries, what you end up with is in fact, the second worst performing index over that period. Um, what's performed better is the um, um, MSCI emerging market as a whole, which you expect because of the high exposure to um, Asia X Japan. And the MSCI Asia X Japan has substantially outperformed the emerging market index over a very long period of time. We quite proudly have substantially out and materially outperformed the Asia X Japan index over that period and rewarded our investors for taking an active stance in. Um, in Greater China and in Asia, ex Japan. So, what do you think the um, the future then looks like for emerging markets? Given that um, you know uh, that uh, Asian countries, particularly China, India, uh, Taiwan, make up such a large portion of it, and particularly as they're moving from an export or have moved in a lot of cases from an export um, majority based uh, economy to uh, an internal consumer-based economy? Yeah, really, that's a great analysis. And, and it, China has essentially already transitioned from being predominantly about exports to having a, an internal consumer um, market of its own. And if you think about it, um, China has been an extraordinary success story in terms of uh, improvements in, in lifting people out of poverty. Um, there's a, a middle class that's in excess of 500 million. There's um, heading towards 800 million. And when you think about a market the size, a middle class that, that will be 800 million in about two more years, that's an enormous domestic market that they can um, rely on to drive the economy going forward. And, and that story is, is happening in India. Um, yeah, that story is uh, happening throughout the rest of Asia. A um, couple of years ago, I um, had the uh, great fortune to, I've had a few trips to Vietnam and I went to Cambodia. And, you know, it's easy over here to think that they're really, you know, um, not backward, but that their economies are, are behind. But these are, their main cities are absolutely burgeoning cities with middle class. It's an extraordinary success um, story in the history of, of mankind, really. For those who haven't had a read of the articles, uh, it's a two-part article. Um, uh, we'll leave a link in, in the description for those and also um, they're available on our website. Um, as always, um, thanks for spending some time with us. Um, uh, much appreciated. Pleasure. Great to talk to you.